man. There's a beverage here, huh? Does anybody here know how many times I've had to watch Funny Lady? I'm gonna get that gun of mine, and I'm gonna change you from a rooster to a hen with one shot. Hello everyone and welcome to Who Shot You? I'm your host, Ify Waniway. Today we are joined by film reviews editor at The Wrap, Alonzo Duralde. Alonzo, what's good? Well, you know, Ify, I was at Target this morning and there was a big sign in the produce section that said, Stone Fruits, they're in season. So I guess stone fruits are good. Yeah. <laughs> if you've been waiting all year for peaches and nectarines and apricots, oh, those are stone. They're fruits? in season. Oh, I thought Go that was for a whole it. New fruit? No, no, they got, honestly, they got the, the pit. You know, the, I yeah. thought you were oh. going to tie that into some sort of gay euphemism of like, <laughs> you guys know what a stone fruit is. Am I right? Well, I mean, look, call me by your name did forever redefine the <laughs> peach and all. I wasn't even thinking about that, the but sure, stone fruit. sure, let's go there. They're always in season in my heart. Oh, oh, yes. <laughs> and we are also joined by producer and film festival programmer, Drea Clark. Drea, was good? What's good with me is the 1619 Project at the New York oh. Times. Mm. Um, I was going to make a joke about how sexy it is, but uh, it's actually about the history of slavery in our great country. Ah, nice. And it's marking, this is the 400th year since the first West African enslaved people were brought here. And it's an interactive uh, project, I guess, that has stories and poems and photo galleries and all sorts of other stuff, short fiction. And it was curated by Nicole Hannah-Jones, which sounds like a weird, like, because Hannah is in the last name, which I enjoy. Anyway, it's great. It weirdly set off a lot of controversy this week. It's I triggering weirdly, the right snowflakes. Yeah, we're the <laughs> dumbest country of, like, people who get mad over an article or a project about slavery, but that's where we live. Yep. But I put it in the what's good category, <laughs> and I think you should check it out. All right. Yeah. And lastly, we've got actor, improviser, host of the Dumbbells and Action Boys podcast, and a personal trainer, Ryan Stanger. Ryan, what is good? Uh, what's good is uh, is lat pulls. Uh, <laughs> big heavy lap pulls yeah, yeah. at the gym jam. Oh yeah, uh, that was a uh, a, a recent uh, what's good because uh, we, you brought it up as a joke. Yeah, yeah. But then uh, it reminded me of how good they are. Oh yeah, no, I was uh, when we hugged. I felt that rock hard back, and I like a good back. I feel like we sleep on backs, uh, both uh, figuratively and literally. <laughs> oh uh, my god, yeah. oh, that's boy. good. <laughs> I'm gonna add that to the what's good too. That, <laughs> Fun pun. Ooh, yeah, fun pun. That's what's good. Iffy, what's good with you? Oh, what's, Thanks a ooh, lot. So. What's good with me? Uh, same old stuff. You know, uh, you know, saw Good Boys uh, this morning, and then uh, Drea before the pod told me about this cool technique to bring a bag of steak to the movies, <laughs> and that's uh, I can't wait to tell you about that next week when I do that for the film that I watch. To next clarify, week. it should be a cooked cooked steak in the bag. I mean, that's just super yeah. rare. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if you ain't eating steak super rare, you ain't never there. On today's show, we'll be talking about good boys. We'll answer a call from the Who Shot line, and as always, we've got some staff picks. But first, it's time for our new segment called It A Dick. Short for, is this important? Do I care? Each of us will read a new segment and answer the question, is this important? Do I care? And first up, 
get your web slingers ready because we're going to talk about a broken negotiation. Uh, according to Deadline, negotiations between Disney and Sony have fallen apart and Spider-Man is out of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Apparently, while working out a new deal, Disney stated they wanted to co-finance the films and thus get more of the profits and have more control over the Spider-Man greater universe, like Venom. They're like, we don't want that to happen. And if you've seen Venom, you know why. Uh, <laughs> Tom Rothman, chairman of Sony, was so insulted that he decided to leave Marvel, Disney, and Kevin Feige behind and make his own films because that worked out so well for them in the past. Sony still has Tom Holland and director John Watts under contract for two more movies, but because of this, Spider-Man cannot interact with any other Marvel characters in the MCU. Is this important? Do you care? Um, I, God, I think it's important because it's like these dumb conglomerates are now showing that the dumb people at the head of them are making dumb decisions. It also sounds kind of personal-based of like, oh, what? How dare they? <laughs> I think it's... It's late. To me, I can't imagine the Spider-Man universe, Spider-Man, being... Or ex I know it can exist without the MCU, but a lot of what resonated in the last few were those interactions, were the, like, the whole thing in Far From Home was how Stony... Stony Tark, Stony how Tark. Stony Tark My affected yes, yeah. how he affected Miter Span's uh, <laughs> whole thing. But like, I think without having that, you're losing a lot of story possibility. Yeah, because essentially, you have them for two more movies, which either means that if they were to let this die right now, means that either they have to start over or somehow do. Another movie, which the last movie completely laid the groundwork of webbing it in with the MCU. We we webbing it in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, you know, I, this is, of course, I think for anybody who, like, thinks about these giant studio terms, turns, mm -hmm. rather, in terms of, like, oh, it's going to be great for the fans, you know. Everybody thought, ooh, Disney's going to get X-Men back, you know, whatever. Just to remind everybody, it's about the bottom line and about money and greed yeah. and grossness. And so we're seeing money and greed and grossness, and it's going to totally screw with what has become a really good Spider-Man franchise, which let's not forget is on the heels of a terrible one. Yeah. The uh, the the amazing Spider-Man movies and you know the Raimi ones seem like of another era at this point. Um, I think the the way their way out of this hole, if they're going to have to now divorce him from the MCU, is basically apply the rules of Into the Spider-Verse mm. to live action ah. and just have him, this will now be a different dimension. That is 100% how you would do that. An yes. Avenger-free dimension. As the exactly. comic book dork in the room, that is the perfect way to do that. Is Anytime you have like interdimensional stuff within the comic book universe, it usually is your cheat code to yeah. any... I will what say a dork. what's been fun. <laughs> oh, God. What's been fun a watching. A dimension, another dimension. Yeah, 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 bro. <laughs> but what's been fun has been seeing like the takes online because all the best things about these news are always the takes. And people have been like finger wagging at, all the nerds have been finger wagging each other at who is wrong, like who's the bad guy here. Mm. And I'll tell you right now, the bad guy is capitalism because in the Boom. end, that, that's a, that's the, it's all about money and because. Because it to me, yeah, it would make sense that Disney's like, yo, we're we're helping this movie be successful. We're we're working on this as a partnership. We should want half. And then this idea of like, well, because Disney owns all the businesses, the the uh, all the uh, companies, and there's a monopoly, they should get no money. It's like, no, they just shouldn't have had a monopoly in the first place. <laughs> yeah. Like you have to take that. That's what nuance is. You take each case by case and don't be like, because I don't like this general overall thing that the that these people are doing. Although somebody on Twitter pointed out that if it weren't for Disney agreeing 
aggressively changing the copyright laws over the last century or so, <laughs> yeah. that Spider-Man would have been public domain by now had they left well enough alone. But no, they got to keep Mickey Mouse, so everything is ruined. Is Disney just going to buy Sony now just to have Spider-Man? <laughs> oh, God. Listen, I... I I, is it important? Yes, obviously it is because it's so much money. And like, like my kid really loves the Tom Holland spot. Like all, yeah. all he's the, the best one. Yeah, yeah, he he loves it, loves it. But for me, I like if it if it just goes off to Sony because then there's a chance that it will be fucking weird again. Because <laughs> like Venom was not good, but it was weird at least. Like all the Disney stuff is so sterile. Yeah, you know, it's just like okay, it's fun. It's like a. It's like a sit-down chain restaurant meal. It's like, okay, this is fun. Like, this is not offensive. Like, right. I can enjoy this, but there's nothing weird about it. At least if they're off doing their own weird stuff, <laughs> it, it ends up being like, whoa, what the hell is this? It, it would have been cool if maybe they had made some sort of trade where Disney was like, look, we have these R-rated movies that we don't really feel comfortable making anymore, so we'll give you Deadpool Ooh. if we can have Spider-Man. You know, yeah, like, yeah. I think that might have worked out. I, I mean, think if, that. If we could just break up the conglomerates and handle copyrights like that have it be a draft I'd be into copyright <laughs> drafts yeah. like that's that's the new one when uh, when we take over you can have treasure planets <laughs> yeah. uh, okay the matrix is officially coming back according to a statement published in Variety Lana Wachowski is returning to write and direct Keanu Reeves and Carrie Ann Moss are signed to star in the film uh, Lana's sister Lily is not mentioned in the press release and is apparently not going to be part of the film uh, here's a quote from Lana many of the ideas Lily and I explore 20 years ago about our reality are even more relevant now. I'm very happy to have these characters back in my life and grateful for another chance to work with my brilliant friends. Is this important? Do you care? Speaking of people busting up conglomerates, <laughs> I mean, within the Matrix, the Matrix movies are yeah. definitely part of, you know, the whole machine. Um, I'm excited about this because I adored the first Matrix, and then I watched the other two um, because I adored the first one. But I do like the idea of, like, bringing the band back together. Oh, yeah. And the third one did end on a cliffhanger, so, like, Neo's dead sort of and like dragged in the machine world i'm sure all anybody listening is giving blank faces because no one effing remembers how that one ended anyway. i know i don't <laughs> yeah so i think that there's obviously so much narrative possibility and they did such a great job with the originals of sort of overlaying traditional cyberpunk sci-fi with relevant social themes and so it will be fun to see what that happens or how that is uh, played out in this one. I mean, you know, part of me is always sad about the return to the well, you know, that, that mm. seems like so much of pop <laughs> yeah. culture now is, well, let's just do this again. And, and I, I don't know, look at Stallone. He's definitely branched out. <laughs> hey, true last blood. I do love Matt Singer said that we need to just, since, since, uh, since last blood is about him defending himself on his ranch, that we should just call it Home Stallone. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But, you know, I, part of me thinks, like, you know what? If you guys had maybe gone to see Jupiter Ascending, if more of you had mm. watched Sense8, yeah. Or, you know, Ricky's beloved Cloud Atlas, maybe the Wachowskis would still be giving us the new shit. And instead, they're giving us the old shit. And well, one of them. Only Lana's doing this. Yes, yeah, yes. Lily, Lily is, is doing... Off. She's doing a, a Showtime series, apparently. Uh, but, yeah, so they've yeah. apparently had a creative split. Like, they dissolved their production company, and people thought, oh, maybe they're retiring. It's like, no, they're just not they're gonna do partners wow. anymore. Yeah, yeah, that's um, wild. But yeah, but I just I think they have been doing consistently cool shit for the last 
you know, since the Matrix yeah. and people just were not there for it. And so here we are. Yeah, it's it, I, I agree in the sense that the first one was so special because it was original, like it revolutionized action movies. Mm. So it is a little bit of a like a bummer that it's just like we're going back to, you know, to do this thing that was so special because it was different. Right. But I try. I mean, I think if you're if you're a fucking home run hitter, you always got one in you. You know, and so that first one yes, is... Yes, you're the right place for sports metaphors, yeah. my man. Because <laughs> that first one is such a home run that, you know, she's certainly capable of doing that again. I do love Lana's hair, too. Yeah. She's yes. always doing some fun stuff with her hair. Let's bring that energy to this movie. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. That, that's, that's, that's why they keep working with Tom Teak version. Clearly, big fans of Run, Lola, Run. <laughs> <laughs> there was... I, I read this thing that there was uh, the Switch character in the first movie was supposed to be transgender. It, like, was supposed to be one gender in the actual world and then switch genders in the Matrix oh, right. world. Oh, wow. Mm. Uh, but like they a were, dual identity. Yeah, like a dual identity, but the studio was uncomfortable with that. Right. Yeah. So then they were able to just give her the name Switch and, and make her, you know, kind of gender, you know, She has ambiguous. my favorite final words of any character. Not like this. Yeah. And yeah. this falls. It's, great. it's a cool character. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but I'll, I'll, I'm, I hope that they'll, that she'll have some freedom and be able to do what she wants. Yeah. Uh, we'll see. You know. Yeah. I was gonna say no. No, I have no good segue for this. But you guys, Robert De Niro's company, Canal Production, is filing a six million dollar lawsuit against former employee Chase Robinson, a woman who sounds like she was named after a bank, for embezzling money. <laughs> The lawsuit, this, the details of what she got away with or was doing at work are phenomenal and why this made the news. I just want to say I bank at Chase La Cienega. <laughs> <laughs> it's a little more convenient for me, you know, sure, geographically. Sure. We can't know. all make it to Robinson. Yeah. Um, the lawsuit states she rarely came into the office and spent an astronomical amount of time <laughs> watching Netflix. Uh, the company alleges that during a four-day period in January, she watched 55 episodes of Friends. <laughs> the suit states that watching Netflix was in no way a part of her role at the company. <laughs> Let's be clear. Um, uh, there's a lot of things in here, and when you look at her role, she apparently started as an assistant and in three years made her way up. So when she was fired and when all this happened, she was the VP of... Um, like production and finance, and she had a $300,000 salary on top of all of this nonsense. It's crazy. And then, yeah, she used millions of his frequent flyer miles for personal <laughs> trips. She had all of these, I mean, oh, $32,000 okay. for Ubers and taxis. <laughs> Almost $9,000 at Dean and DeLuca and Whole Foods. <laughs> I, I gotta admire the moxie That's of this one. That's three trips to Dean DeLuca <laughs> This is true, Whole yeah. Foods. Those do add up. My I, favorite detail, though, before I pause the pose the question, mm. um, is that Apparently, she also ended all of her job there by writing her own letter of recommendation, <laughs> which De Niro refused to sign. Is this important, and do you care? I care because I, I admire... She's got moxie. Yeah. She's got chutzpah. <laughs> because not only is she doing this, but she's doing it to Robert De Niro. Yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Like, how? That's just, those are some cast iron ovaries. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm not just going to be the worst employee on earth <laughs> and totally on the grift, but I'm going to do it to Bobby D. Yeah. I feel like she She's going to option a script about her life as an employee and first offer it to the company for six million. <laughs> it's like for six million.
million dollars. Yes, you just have to even out. Counter offer. I will be played by Isla Fisher. It'll be hilarious. Everybody is wondering why De Niro is making some shitty movies for a while. He's fucking paying her Uber bills with bad grandpa. Uh, That's uh, right. He had the world's biggest Netflix bill for all of his employees. We're going to take a break, but when we come back, we'll be talking about good boys just as soon as we hear from another one of the shows on Maximum Fun. Riley Smurl. I'm Sydney McElroy. And I'm Taylor Smurl. And together we host a podcast called Still Buffering, where we answer questions like Why should I not fall asleep first at a slumber party? How do I be fleet? Is it okay to break up with someone using emojis? And sometimes we talk about butts. No, we don't. Nope. <laughs> Find out the answers to these important questions and many more on Still Buffering, a sister's guide to teens through the ages. I am a teenager and I I was two butts, 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 butts. Welcome back to Who Shot You? I'm your host, Ify Wadiway. In the studio with me are Alonzo Duraldi, Ryan Stanger, Drea Clark. And today we're talking about good boys. Here's the storyline from IMDb. Three seventh grade boys ditch school and embark on an epic journey while carrying accidentally stolen drugs, being hunted by teenage girls, and trying to make their way home in time for a long-awaited party. This one isn't as detailed as the usual storylines we get, but I this it, it, it hit the bases. Yeah, yeah, it hit all the bases. Was that a sports? Did I do that? Did I do the sport? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It hit, yeah, the, it hit yeah. the bases. Yeah, you hit it. Sure, yeah. that's how you play baseball, right? Right. You hit you each hit the, individual hit base. bases. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think the first thing I'll kick it off with is this movie like i guess like just based on who like all the seth rogan stuff and just i didn't watch any trailers but just seeing like the billboards i thought this was going to be way more raunchier than it was and it turned out to be way way more wholesome than i thought sure you you shook your head at raunchy did did. you feel it was pretty raunchy oh no i thought it was definitely raunchy and one of the reasons i liked it is which might be what you're intimating is that it split the difference between um, crass, raunchy, like boy humor. Of, yeah, you know, sex jokes and fart jokes and shit. That's what boys like: yeah. sex and fart jokes, I guess. And but also, what caught me by surprise and why I genuinely liked it as much as I did was the wholesomeness of it. That the good boys of the title was not sarcastic. These were like three genuine like they used the phrase at one point of like, oh, that's such a try hard thing to do. And I was like, bless these sweet little tryhards. Like they're the try hardiest. And I liked that they it surprised me that the three kids we were following that were so immersed in their own like sensitivity. They have an argument over which one's nicest. Like Mm -hmm. so that I Anyway, the yeah. the raunchiness was right there, but yeah, I liked exactly. the wholesomeness. That's what it was like raunchy, but it wasn't like it was in a like like it was like it was it felt right because I feel like anytime we do what I will just coin as like kids cursing movies, they're yes. just into the same shit that we are as adults. But it's like no, like if, uh, for example, the porn scene when they're like, "Oh, this is gross." Like it's like yeah, you know, like. 
kids around that age aren't at that interest. Like they haven't even kissed yet, so that's yeah. like the big. And they curse they, wrong. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah yes, like, totally. They they get the wrong syllables or whatever. Yeah, was, no, I I agree that they were definitely selling this movie as the kids who curse and the 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 sort of the 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 gross out elements of it. But yeah, it's a very sweet movie. It re- it really is about that sort of tipping point between the you know like the end of childhood and the beginning of adolescence about how relationships change. Like there's a scene toward the end where they all cry and I was yeah. like wow okay that's not a thing because like you know you look at like Stand By Me and a few mm-hmm. other movies but for the most part like this is such a fucked up culture about what the messages that we send to boys and men all the time about like you can't touch each other you can't express your feelings you know recycling is gay like did you guys yeah, see yeah. that oh, was, yeah. a, that was a thing a... last week that, that like they, that straight guys talked about how they didn't recycle because it was gay yeah. um, oh poor straight so boys. you know I just I thought okay this is really I love how this is a movie that's about like feelings and emotions and them allow, being allowed to access that part of themselves and, and, and yeah and and it's consistently funny. Yeah, I yeah I agree. I think that they they had a gimmick that they absolutely delivered on, but I feel like it it sets itself apart because it transcended the gimmick. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. you got a lot more than just that, which was consistently funny all the way throughout the movie. But I thought what made it you know special or more memorable was that they certainly transcended that gimmick. My issue was is the the I just don't care about kids that much. <laughs> <laughs> And I felt How like, old is your child, right? I've got I've got an eight year old, and so I have some like. You better start caring. I've got some uh, general thoughts as to you know how it would tie into my son and stuff, but. There are movies about kids and like they're, you know, they're basically just trying not to get grounded yeah. and to kiss, and you have to really care that they don't get grounded, I guess. And so for me, it was like I liked seeing their kind of emotional connection. And I had fun with that, but like I didn't feel like so the stakes were that high. But I actually liked that the stakes were as. They're twelve-year-old, like stakes. arbitrary as they were, because it allowed for the fact that I don't think their wholesomeness or the earnestness of how they would approach things would have come through as much if I actually was worried. Like, oh no! Like you brought up Stand by Me, and I loved that the 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 two older kids that they're like interacting with are two girls. They're two high school girls. They're like trying to get something back from them. And normally, when I see this movie, it's the key for Sutherland. Like it's older guys who are right. going to beat the shit out of them, and there's a weird threat with that and I liked this was just like no these are like two girls that are like well what are they going to do if they're going to catch us like it's terrifying but it's still sort of funny and I also loved because we had all that time with these low stakes that what I was learning about them and the idea of the modernity of it the feminine feminism of it like those kids I had the time to watch them talk about like they're going to practice kissing on a sex doll and then one of them's like first you have to get her consent like <laughs> these kids said the word consent more in oh, this yeah. 90 like, minutes they don't know what sex is but boy have they been taught about consent yeah. right and i there was something about if it had had like higher stakes like if i was really worried in the even ferris bueller way of it of like oh the time sensitive i feel like it would have taken away the energy that i actually got to put into like oh that's what these kids have been taught. How nice. Well, what's funny is like to kind of 
I think the I have a theory about that idea where it's like this is like, you know, an R-rated movie, but I feel like when we're that age, we saw R-rated movies. So I have a theory that this is an R-rated movie for kids that age. Like this is oh, yeah. like this isn't this isn't like this is an R-rated movie for kids that age to sneak and then I think I would love that because they would leave it with like some really good insight on relationships and st- because I, like I think parents should take their 12 year old to oh, see yeah. the movie maybe you don't sit with them yeah, yeah. but you know <laughs> take them to see it well for example the big movie when I was in high school was American Pie so like yeah. my whole senior year my whole senior year was me trying to lose my virginity. That's all I had to because that's to a baked good. That, senior uh, year. Well, yeah, senior oh, year. Oh boy. <laughs> senior Do you year. think you're gonna get bullied? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, senior year, I was like, I gotta, I got, I can't graduate. And it's just because like I saw that movie, I snuck and there, saw that yeah. movie, and it had that impact on me. I did lose my virginity. If anybody was wondering, uh, it was. Uh, oh my god. It was du- during senior ditch day uh, on a bunk bed. Uh, and my buddy like tried to be like, oh, I'm gonna burst in and and freak him out. But I was already a freak, so I kept going. Uh, it, but but like, you are all welcome well, to that bonus. I, I asked for none of this. But, um... <laughs> but like, so like, so that's kind of what I had I was in my head. Already a freak, this. so I kept going. <laughs> Jesus, <laughs> don't get him started. Uh, but like, I so when leaving the theater, I was like, man, I would love to see like the impact, like sneak and then like. Watching this movie and thinking you're like bad for seeing this bad movie that like leave you with these temples of like I need to always get consent. I need to you know it's okay if like me and my friends separate as long as we always kind of like stick yeah. together. A naughty movie that's secretly super nerdy. Yeah, yeah. Well, I I I, I felt like they addressed consent in, in a fun way. It yeah. was it didn't feel like I was being lectured no. in yeah, any kind yeah. of way. And having so my my boys eight. So he's younger than the kids we're seeing in this movie. But I will say I've noticed a thing in youth, and and I feel like it's permeated all of all of culture now, is that people are really sincere now. And, you know, I know my son and his friends certainly are very sincere, very earnest, uh, very concerned with other people's feelings in a way that I, like, my generation wasn't. I, yeah. I think now people are almost free of irony. And so... You know, sometimes that can be like it bums me out because it can be a fun cinematic thing or a fun thing to read. But the the newer and kind of younger generation just isn't that and culture isn't that right now. But that being said, I felt like this movie consistently was funny. So funny. And so it was it was nice to see like, wow, sweet, sincere, earnest. And it was legitimately funny. I kind of feel like they talk about consent the way they talk about drugs, which is like we've had assemblies about this, but we don't really know what it is or what it entails. And so I suspect that as they get older, they will incorporate both of those messages into a more real world practice. They did. I will say there was a follow through on the consent because, you know, the main Jacob Tremblay, who turned out really advanced for a kid that grew up in room. Mm. Um, he <laughs> ha- He's the lover boy of them and all he wants is to get to this party so he can play spin the bottle with the love of his life because every when you're that age, it's always right. just the love yeah. of your life, which I loved. And he does. He, not to ruin it, he gets there and he asks her before he kisses her, yeah. I kiss you. So I liked that the follow through of that. Speaking of American Pie, one of the small details in this that I was like, I don't know who it was on your team that was looking out for these, but bravo. But 
Thor, one of the kids' name is Thor. I went to high school with three Thors, not to brag, uh, Minnesota. And Thor's parents, there's a couple of gags where they have like a bunch of sex toys. Yes. And we, anal beads. Yes, yeah. anal beads and th- this wide proliferation of dildos. And what they keep calling a CPR doll is a actually CPR like a doll real doll. Wait, those were all sex toys? Ooh, I feel terrible breaking this to Ryan. Wait. I know. Oh, but, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. But I loved that it's, it's played for laughs, obviously, because these kids think that they're getting they're like, oh, there's. I found all these weapons yeah, in my parents' room, <laughs> and um, but then also, I loved. We met Thor's mother, and she is the most standard white woman, normal. Yeah. And there was something so wonderful about like the the low key sex positivity of that. Because yeah. I thought of Stifler's mom in American Pie, and typically, if you would have the gag about all the sex toys and stuff, it would be this hypersexualized woman. She, or reality, she'd have like a mohawk and tattoos or something. Yeah, or, yeah, yeah something right. Freaky. Or she'd be yeah. yeah, she'd be so like sexually scary to them, and like all boobs and whatever. <laughs> and I like the like, oh no. Plenty of people use sex toys, yeah. including this woman in like her turtleneck and uh, <laughs> ugly romper or whatever. Yeah. Um, I thought that the I, and I I want I would love my son to see this because uh, you know I'd probably let him he'd miss all this a lot of the sex stuff. Yeah, but I pretty much let him watch whatever. It's pretty lawless at my house as far as watching shit. But uh, I, I disagree with you about the stakes, though. I want to circle back to that real okay. quick, just because because I think for those, you know, the the thing is like, yeah, for us, we're rolling our eyes like, yeah, who cares about getting grounded? But for them, it's everything. Everything is everything at that age. You know, mm. she's the love of his life, and this mm. party is like the make or break of their popularity or whatever. And so the idea that that this uh, the whole plot mechanics is getting this buying a replacement drone so as not to get in trouble, so as not to get grounded, so as not to have to miss the party. Like that's the level of stakes you want for a movie like this. I, I didn't want them all like chasing the microfilm that was going to doom the world or whatever. I, I you think know? I think you're. I mean, you're totally making a fair point, and I get cinematically why that why it works and why the filmmakers did it. Just for me personally, mm. I fucking I never would have watched it unless it was for the <laughs> <Right>. show. <laughs> Just because it's like fair kids enough. about to get grounded. Yeah. I mean, there's so much shit to watch now. It's yeah. like I want to watch. Some grown-ups going through some shit. Yeah, you want to watch what's what's that one uh, Oscar Isaac uh, Netflix uh, film? Triple Frontier. Yeah, Triple Frontier. Oh. You, want, um, you like those stakes? Amazing. <laughs> Ryan's you face know, lit realistic up. stuff <laughs> like Triple Frontier. <laughs> yeah, searing the uh-huh. real shit. And uh, I sh- we should say how great all three of They're the so leads were. Yes. They were so were great. incredible. Yeah. Yeah. Jacob Tremblay, Keith L. Williams, and Brady Noon, and the cr- uh, credited writers Lee Eisenberg and Gene Stubnitsky, and Stubnitsky also directed. Yeah, um, Keith is so funny. He was he had like a silent role on The Last Man on Earth, and then he was in Sadie, Megan Griffith's uh, mm. feature. But I actually had a question about him because he had my favorite delivery. Like I loved all of them, but. Everything he did was perfect, like every response, every line delivery. And I had the smallest moment when, and I wondered if they were just hinting at a bigger issue, but because of it being the film it was, they weren't going to dig into it. But when they're at the fraternity house, because there's this long running thing of how black children, especially little black boys, oh. aren't allowed to be children, right? Like, yeah. they're seen as older than they are, whatever. And the little the actor is taller than yeah. his friends, <laughs> oh, but they're right. certainly all the same age. But there's this small moment when they're like, both his friends and then the frat boys both allude to the fact that he could pass for a college yeah, yeah. student. <laughs> yeah. And oh, it's yeah. played off for comedy, yeah. but I was like, this is, again, this very low-key commentary. Yeah. 
Oh yeah, yeah. It was, that, that <laughs> did really, you? You it, on it that? definitely clicked for me immediately, especially when he's like, "Oh, I had you in econ class." Oh my god, like, and <laughs> that was so funny. And yeah, I think Keith was, you know, like I said, they're all favorite, but one of my favorite because I was like, "Man, it's gonna be fun seeing." Because he almost like the, his energy and the way he played was like a tiny Craig Robinson to me. Oh. Like, mm. like I was like, "Oh, he's like," because he's like, he's the softer he's of them so all, cute. but he always like he always has like this edge when he needs it. Like, <laughs> it, it it was just so fun to just like watch them go at it and and yeah the frat scene was was great that was one of my favorites and just uh in in the the two like teenage girls yes, were great I'd too love, because yeah. like that one it, it's so funny in the sense that like they're treating them as kids but still like getting really annoyed with them and just wanting like just all they want to do is get Molly so they can go see Kendrick Lamar. They're tweaking. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. It's, it's interesting too if you, with the studio comedy usually you'll kind of have these people that just serve a device in the plot you yeah. know and then the mark of these movies that we kind of remember are where it's not like they have any more lines, but you really believe that these other people have yeah. a life exist in, a world, in the world, yeah. exist in the world, and these girls absolutely had that. Yeah, you you totally believed what you know what the what the stakes were for them, what they wanted, where they were going, who they and were even beyond you that. You believed that they would follow these kids. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. you're you like, yeah, it. like we know one person we can get Molly from, yeah, yeah. yeah. and, and uh, that uh, avenue is destroyed for us. Oh, <laughs> a, a, another line that just made me, and because I went to see this at 10:45 this morning at ArcLight, I had a coffee and I almost stopped it. bragging, oh, okay. Kiffy. <laughs> but the, we but the, get it. But the you line, lost your virginity in a bunk bed. Yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you're a freak. You just played through. <laughs> yeah. But the the moment that really uh, got me cracking up was just him uh, when when they're deciding whether or not to like get uh, use the drone and like in that line of like he's like and you 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 could be grounded and you'll lose the respect the trust of your father. <laughs> oh yeah, there's a whole sequence where. Jacob Tremblay is in the middle, and then like his friends are doing the good angel, bad angel, yeah. and every that's why I love Keith so much. Every single thing the good angel says is like, yeah. "You don't want to lose your father's respect." Yeah. Like, can I believe him? I believe yeah. that. Well, it's really fun. That. Like I was saying, you know, a lot of my son's friend. I mean, that's what this generation is like. It's Thank really, God. it's really yeah. sweet. It's good. It's a lot better than me. I yeah. tell you that oh, much. I, I have loved three R-rated comedies this year, and this is the second one. That Seth Rogen is involved with because the long, long shot, shot. yeah, yeah. Really and surprising. then and then Booksmart was great oh, too, yeah. and you know uh, I know it, it 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 never took it never caught on the way this one obviously has it was like had an, it was number one opening weekend and like you know it's it's taken off but like I think Booksmart we I think we're sort of we tend to overplay like it's failure like it yeah. passed 20 mil oh, which yeah. for an indie is not bad it was and, like an 8 yeah. million budget yeah, well, yeah. This and it's, w- it's Annapurna who clearly doesn't know what they're doing <laughs> you know they totally comedies, they yeah. totally threw uh, what, where'd you go Bernadette out to sea so you know what are you gonna do <laughs> this one was just a, a triumph in marketing yeah, because they got you know they, they like we talked about they had a gimmick and they really sold that, but it's so much more than that. Oh, so yeah. they kind of were able to you know make almost a four quad movie. Yeah. Uh, All right. Well, we have to uh, you know give our final review. Last thing I'm gonna say before that is that I also thought Retta and Little Rel oh, are oh, yeah. so funny in every scene. The little snide back and forth. Yeah, she stole the show. Oh. We're, like, we're so... still friends, right? Uh huh. Yeah. <laughs> 
so good. Uh, but yeah, so you know, we're gonna decide. Uh, you know, uh, you know how we do it here. It's gonna be uh, screen it, stream it, or skip it. Uh, let's. Uh, I'm gonna just go since I'm already talking. I'm gonna say screen it. I really enjoyed it. Go to the theater, watch it. Bring bring you babysitting some tweens. Bring them with you. <laughs> I'm also a screen it. This one was so much funnier than I was expecting, and I also didn't feel guilty about any of the jokes, which uh, happens plenty with studio <laughs> films. I, yeah, I would totally say screen it, and and I agree with Ryan. It is. It's it's not that it, the kind of movie you want to see in the theater because it's got like giant explosions, but you want that shared experience mm. of. Of laughing and it is the kind of comedy that I think plays well to a room full of folks. Yes, yeah, screen it. Oh, you know, something this funny that's that's fresh comes out, fucking go to the movie, people. Mm. Go buy a movie ticket. <laughs> it's original IP. Yes. Uh, so we'll be right back after we hear from another show from Maximum Fun. Hi, I'm Joe Firestone. And I'm Manolo Moreno. And we're the hosts of Dr. Game Show, which is a podcast where we play games submitted by listeners regardless of quality or content with in-studio guests and callers from all over the world. And you can win a custom a magnet. A custom magnet. Subscribe now to make sure you get our next episode. What's an example of a game, Manolo? Pokemon or medication. How do you play that? You have to guess if something's a Pokemon name or a Medi- medication. medication. First time listener, if you want to listen to episode highlights and also know how to participate follow dr game show on facebook instagram and twitter we'd love to hear yeah, from you it's really fun for the whole family we'll be every other wednesday starting march 13th and we're coming to max fun snorlax pokemon yes nice welcome back to who shot you i'm your host if you wide away in the studio with me are drea clark ryan stanger alonzo duraldi now it's time to answer a call from the Who Shot line. Casey, hit that! Hello, Who Shot Ya? This is Andrew from Pittsburgh, and my question is, what's a movie that you watched over and over again when you were a kid that you can't look at critically now just because of the place you had for you back then? Mine was a 1997 movie called The Fifth Man. It was a college basketball comedy starring Marlon Wayans and Kadeem Hardison that I watched so many times as a kid. I successfully fooled my parents into thinking that I had any desire to be an athlete whatsoever. Thank you. I'll hang up and listen. When he Good was a kid question. at yes. seven. I know. Yeah. Andrew, you're in the right sports-loving place. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I want you to know when I heard this question, this is a lie, but I wanted to say it just to see Alonzo's face, which is I was just going to talk about Mac and Me for 10 minutes. <laughs> you guys know a great film that's untouchable, Mac and Me. <laughs> I, you know, I feel like I've kind of aged out of this question because I did not grow up with cable or VCRs. Like, those were junior high high at the earliest I think so um the one movie that I remember watching the most as a child was probably Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory but like oh yeah that's a good one I can I can I can still analyze it as an adult and still love it uh, <laughs> uh but I, I mean probably the close the closest I can think of was uh this says a lot about me as a teenager I watched Victor Victoria on the movie channel like 30 times so yeah the, the, I love that for I, you the, I watch it now and it's just sort of like it kind of puts me into that headspace and so it's hard for me to sort of step back and really analyze Analyze what it's doing right and wrong. Well, okay. So I was thinking about this, and it's it's tough because there's so many d- movies that were that I have a nostalgic connection to that are real kind of down the line obvious choices. I don't know how interesting it would be if like 
I say Top Gun, you know, yeah. just so everybody watch that all you the time. You like the Goonies? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So the, I have two because they're just so f- fucking weird. I don't, I can't even really recommend them to people uh, because I can't even, ar- I, if somebody said like, I, I watch, it's unwatchable or whatever, I, I couldn't argue, but I guess that's the nature of this question. So I'll say, and I'll be curious if you guys have heard of these or seen them. Alonzo well, has. <laughs> uh, the, the first one is The Wraith. With Charlie Ooh, Sheen, yeah, 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 good yeah. one. Yeah, Nick Cassavetes or no? But yeah, Charlie Sheen, I remember that one. Yeah, yeah. It, it, so it's this weird kind of sci-fi movie that nobody really saw. It was a small movie. Uh, uh, Clint Howard's in it, mm. uh, and I. It's, it's like somebody dies drag racing or something yeah, and haunts people. Right. He gets killed. He gets killed by kind of a gang in a local town. And then he comes back. For vengeance. For vengeance. But he comes back as an outsider that kind of looks like, already looks like him who died. <laughs> and people are like, you kind of remind me of this guy who used to be alive. And he just basically inserts himself back into that life and then eventually kills the, the drag racers one by one. The other one is The Legend of Billie Jean. Oh, oh yeah. My God. yeah with, fair is fair. Yeah, with Helen Slater and Christian Slater, an unrelated, plain brother and sister. <laughs> I love that movie. I My sister and I watched it a billion times. I could watch it now and enjoy it. And We I, can afford yeah. to be innocent. It's got a great Pat Benatar song, <laughs> yes. a great 80s soundtrack. Uh, have you seen it before, I Jay? have, yeah. but I don't think I've seen it since then. Yeah. <laughs> So I'm wondering, because like if the framing of this question is, what could you not look at critically? That one, if I rewatched it, I could. Yeah, I can't. Yardley Smith is in it. Yes. I know. So both those are like two weird ones that I just saw so much. Yeah. I, I will always love. It's baked into me now. Helen Slater is inspired to cut her hair by Otto Preminger's St. Joan. St. Joan, yeah. Gene Seberg. Jesus. <laughs> yeah. It's such a weird movie. And I love that both of them exist. They never get made now. Truthfully, I think mm. any woman who's ever cut her hair has been inspired by Gene Seberg. <laughs> so that's fair enough. Good point. Um, mine, in looking at this, because when I heard it, my first thought was like childhood movie. But in thinking more of the like teen thing, because when you're a kid, you you do, I don't know, I didn't take things in. My kid movie was the emotion picture of the musical Annie. I adored it. Like all children, I yearn to be an orphan, (laughs) but still have my parents somehow. But you know, like every kid's story is like about orphans for some reason. Well, I know why, but (laughs) story-wise, it makes sense. World-wise, real bummer. That's an (laughs) all-timer, though. I watch it with my kid now. It's like 14 hours long. Annie, I know. That's what I mean. Let's get John Huston to direct (laughs) this. It's so strange. And like, Yul Brenner plays someone called Daddy Warbucks and like none of that pinged for me. No, no, no. Um, uh, uh, Albert Finney. Albert Finney, yeah, you're Finney. right. You're right. Yule Brenner. Sorry, bald guys. <laughs> um, uh, Albert Finney, he was so cute as that. Yeah. So I loved Annie. I loved all of the orphans. I loved their clothes. I loved their songs. I loved that there is an absolutely batshit insane like chase sequence involving a man undoing his turban from a helicopter (laughs) to unwind it to a small girl climbing like a road trestle. Like, it's bonkers. (laughs) But the film that I couldn't analyze critically now, except for I'm so earnestly convinced that it's such a good film and it stands up, so I will fight you. I can't be critical, but I will fight you about it. Dirty Dancing. Dirty Dancing is a great fucking movie. I've seen it 80,000 million times, approximately. It totally holds up. So 
I know the idea is like, yeah, fine. I can't be critical about it because it's so good. That's a great one. Yeah. That one my sister loved. I'd be like, ah, fine. We can watch it. And I would secretly love watching <laughs> it. I'm a total sucker for that movie. But my husband hates it. Oh, I, Dave, how dare you? Yeah. No, it does. It stands. There is an entire abortion storyline that stands <laughs> there up. There is. I love There's it. There is the feminism of it, her relationship with her father, it did screw up a whole generation of women yes. for thinking that men that looked like a young Patrick Swayze would have the integrity and heart of Johnny Castle. <laughs> but uh, that There's aside... a good dig at Ayn Rand in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, so my childhood was uh, definitely going to be Moonwalker. Uh, you know, I've been, oh my God, uh, you uh, love again Moonwalker. With I, loved, I loved Moonwalker. And I'm thinking, Joe Pesci's best yeah. work. But, you, but like when we... <laughs> When we like thought when we were talking, we were like, "Oh yeah, it doesn't have to be like this childhood, childhood movie." So mine is going to be one that like I, I I'm gonna say it, and I know like if I go back, it probably won't be as solid as I believe it. But I know I'm still be like, "Nah, this is gold." Don't be a menace in South Central while drinking juice <laughs> oh, in the yeah. head was a movie I, I watched movie. so many times. This is the, the the like golden era of Wayans movies. <laughs> this was right before the smash hit movie, Scary Movie, uh, and we won't talk about the other ones. Um, but like, so Scary it, Movie two through seven. Yeah, it, I feel like after three it falls <laughs> off. Two, it kind of it wasn't as good as one. I'm gonna go back and be like, oof. Uh, but but yeah, that Don't Be a Menace was mine. So uh, you know, don't go and watch it and try. And tell me how you feel. Did Keenan direct that one? I think so. I love I'm yeah, Gonna Get You, yeah. Sucker. Oh, my oh, God. Yes. Yes. Just watch oh, yeah. it recently. It holds up great. It's so, oh, my gosh, that scene where the guy is, has all the guns. Oh, yeah. He tries to walk out. I was Antonio obs- Fargus with the shoes with the goldfish. Oh, yeah. I was obsessed with the shoes with the fish. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. That, Shut up. Paris Barkley directed Don't Be a Menace. Paris Barkley was, like, president of the DGA or, or was recently. Really? Yeah. Oh, wow. Wow. wow that's well, wild. you could tell by and his esteemed uh, his <laughs> his pedigree. Re- exactly, yes. Yeah. He did direct Don't Be a Menace. <laughs> uh, I watched I'm Gonna Get You again. I always loved it as a kid, but I watched it again because Tarantino was talking about it in connection to uh, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Really? Yeah. Just as far as uh, kind of the end of an era... Uh, you know, because it's like it's it's Keenan Ivory's take on the black exploitation films, and then oh, he like goes yeah. and gets recruits guys that were in those movies to kind yeah. of join his crew for right. like one last right. Yeah, that's solid. There's that whole weird John Vernon conversation right. where they talk about the token white guy villain. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, thank you to everyone who has called in. We've gotten a ton of great calls in the past couple of weeks. Uh, so please keep it up. The number for the Who Shot line is WSY 803-1664. And now it is time for staff picks. It can be any movie, in theaters, streaming, what have you. Drea, why don't you start? I will start, sir. Mm-hmm. My pick for this week is coming out this weekend. It's a Sundance film from this year called Britney Runs a Marathon. And it stars Jillian Bell and Mm -hmm. Michaela Watkins. And it's wonderful. It's written and directed by Paul Downs Colesso. Paul Downs something from Broad (laughs) City. Ah. And I think it's it's a really interesting journey of this girl who is told by her doctor that she needs to 
get fit. And so she goes from being like a couch surfer to um, it's called Brittany Runs a Marathon. So spoiler, yeah. she she runs, runs a marathon, marathon. <laughs> you guys. Um, and she well. learns a little bit about herself in the process. But I think it has a really interesting take on body image culturally and internally but it's also super effing funny like okay. that to me and something oh, yeah. like this is it's gonna override any like themes or takeaway I can have but I found it legitimately funny and I love Jillian Bell and her whole weird thing so yeah that's my pick uh my pick well I guess since I w- was talking about adult mo- an adult thriller, a great adult thriller uh, streaming right now, Manhunter, Michael Mann's Manhunter. Um, I, you know, it's one of those, if you're in kind of the film world, it comes up a lot, but maybe some people that aren't don't know about it. And so you, everybody knows Hannibal Lecter. Uh, this is the first cinematic incarnation of Hannibal Lecter played by Brian Cox. And it's an old kind of stylized Michael Mann movie that feels like Miami Vice and a lot of those kind of, uh, you know, that sexy kind of 80s cop thriller Is look. it William Peterson? William Peterson yeah. plays Will Graham in it. Uh, Dennis Farina, great Chicago former cop that became an actor. Uh, and it, it's great. And it's good because uh, there's no bumbling police officers. Everybody's good at their job. And uh, it's a good, sexy, stylized movie. It's got a great electronic soundtrack. And it's streaming on Amazon Prime right now. The mm-hmm. High Museum of Art in Atlanta as an insane asylum. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> also, Anthony Hopkins is the least interesting of the three Hannibal Lecters. Don't at me. Oh, oh wow. choice. <laughs> Hot uh, take. Not that he's not good. He's just the least interesting. He of the won three. the prize for it, too. I man. know. Don't get me started. <laughs> uh, my pick this week is also on Amazon Prime, and it is a comedy that I bring up. Uh, periodically when I talk about like the 70s or especially when people tell me how much they like Drop Dead Gorgeous uh, and that would be Michael Ritchie's Smile a 1975 parody of uh, well I mean it's ostensibly a satire about um, beauty pageants but it's about America and it it's is about Murica. It's about Murica, and yeah. it is Great. brilliantly funny. And it has Bruce Stern and Barbara Feldon, and a very young um, Melanie Griffith, and Annette O'Toole, and a lot of just uh, uh, the recently departed Denise Nickerson from Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory. Um, wow. Among others, uh, Michael Kidd, one of his latter-day film appearances as a very annoyed uh, uh, director-choreographer who's putting the show together. It is a, it is like one of those movies that when people tell me they haven't seen it, I get very obnoxious about, like, no, really, you have to see it now. I'm never the, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen it. Yeah. But I'm of the, no, you need to see Smile. It is essential. It is a great film. You will love it and be thinking about it forever. So... Amazon Prime, smile, go watch it. Do you ever wish you could go back in time and see it for the first time again? Well, that's, you know, it's funny. My, my fallback line, since I don't like to say, oh, I can't believe you haven't seen it, is I envy you getting to see it for the first yeah, time. Yeah, that's, that's great. That's great. So, so mine is going to be a movie that's in theaters now that I think uh, because of is the it movie Hobbs that, and Shaw? No, uh, <laughs> it, sh- it should be. That's next week. Uh, but, you know, I think because the movie the that preceded it, 
has left a bad taste in everyone's mouth and they don't realize how funny it is. And, you know, if you're babysitting for a Mormon family and can't take them to see Good Boys, I recommend Angry Birds 2, which surprised the living shit out of me. Because I, I forgot, uh, I think because Nerdificent was going to do an Angry Birds episode, so we went to watch it. Quit and, trying to blame and You uh, wanted yeah. to see the no, Angry Birds. No, bird. I, did not, I did not want to see it. I did not want to see it. I, I, I didn't. Dude, I, didn't. I do lat poles, no, dude. No, no, I didn't. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was surprisingly very funny and uh leslie jones is uh is the villain in this and she's super funny tiffany haddish is like a right hand person it is so like the jokes are like boom 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 it has a new director who's uh thorough who actually if you watch any cartoon network shows he he created uh um the marvelous adventure of of Flapjack, which was one of my like, uh, you know, one of my favorite Cartoon Network shows. It's real. It's truly like everyone's been like, really, because the first one was like, I promise you, I'm not lying. I promise you, I'm not getting this Rovio money. <laughs> it's <is> surprisingly. <laughs> Isn't it super... showing with the short by Matthew I Sherry? Saying, I hear the short oh, is amazing. Called Hair Love. <laughs> I <laughs> fucking cried real tears oh. from that it didn't even get sad yet i they were just that if you don't know hair love is this beautiful short that just takes so people place know if he visibly and physically yes. reacted yes. to uh, the, uh, his his microphone the short. left the ground yeah. he ascended <laughs> he it, ascended it, it, it's just this story about uh you know this little baby girl daughter trying to get her hair done before this big event and like her dad is helping her and like the moment like she went to her dad and it was a dread dad and I was like I'm a dread dad and uh, I just was bawling crying the whole time it's very beautiful so yeah even if you don't give a shit about Angry Birds watch it for the short but watch it for both you will be pleasantly surprised I promise you I'm not being paid by Rovio but if Rovio wanted to send me money (laughs) or quote me for their box DVD hit me up Uh, me too I'll take it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Put me on that list. Put me on the list. Now it's time for five-star reviews. If you leave us a five-star review, we'll read it on the air. Today's review comes from Caitlin Chapel. This podcast is a friendly reminder why I love movies. It's so reassuring to hear such a diverse group of people go in depth about a film like I do with my family and friends. It's perfect to listen to when there's traffic, when I'm opening up at work, and when I'm stumped on writing. Plus, these guys make me laugh and smile. Oh my gosh. So thank you, Ryan. Uh, where can people find you? I think I'm going to give a quick endorsement before you even open your mouth to Dumbbells. I've been on the pod twice. Uh, the second time I was on the pod was literally after I saw Black Panther. I sent Eugene an email where it's like, I need to come on the pod because I want a Michael B. Jordan body. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, yeah, we talked about getting, uh, uh, getting bulking down. Yeah. Those, yeah. Listen to if he's episodes on there. He's great, as you guys know. And then that second one is a good kind of movie, fitness, comedy, iffy crossover. (laughs) So people can listen to Dumbbells anywhere people find podcasts or Action Boys. That's a Patreon. And uh, so check out uh, actionboys.biz for uh, all the info there. A couple of Patreon dons over at Action Boys. (laughs) Your guys' fans are, listeners are much nicer than Action Boys <laughs> listeners, <laughs> Stanger's dumb. You know, oh, yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. the kind of stuff we. You get. sounded really smart on yeah. this episode. I'll let you know. Uh, yeah, <laughs> that sounded patronizing. No, I let, hey, listen, <laughs> you did such a good job. Anybody telling me I'm smart, I'll take. It. <laughs>
And if you have a comment or suggestion about this week's show, tweet at us at Who Shot Your Pod. Our Facebook group can be found at www.facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash Who Shot Your Podcast. Or send us an email at Who Shot You at MaximumFun.org. Our producer is Casey O'Brien. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher. And this is a production of Maximum Fun. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.